It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? It's Sunday, and we don't have a Buffalo Bills football game to talk about today, but we are previewing tomorrow's Monday night-ish contest between the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. I am your host of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, Matt Perino. He is my tag team partner, my co-host, Ryan Talbot. we got a lot to dive into, but Ryan, but it's, it's, it's a little weird. How many Sundays has it been now? Without two in a row without um, uh, the Bills on Sunday, and also the third week in a row where we haven't had a one o'clock game. It just it just feels weird right now. Oh, it's so bizarre. I'm a creature of habit. I love the one p.m. games. I love being able to uh, get everything done. Still be able to watch that Sunday night game and enjoy that. You know, with, with these Monday Monday evening games coming up here at five p.m. tomorrow. Uh, it, it's just such a bizarre feeling. It's just like, you know, what, what do I do with my Sunday other than watch other games, uh, which is, is definitely the game plan, but yeah, very bizarre. You get used to watching those 1 PM kickoffs. Uh, so they'll be back again soon enough. Um, one cool thing about these Sundays without the bills is I get to kind of go back to being a fan and just watch red zone and follow my fantasy teams because game days. I mean, you know, we're, we're, I tell people all the time, it's like I you almost not you can't be a football fan anymore, really, the way you used to, because you don't watch the games the same way when the Bills are on. You can't really watch other games, especially like in the press box. And then after the game, you're just furiously working and you kind of miss the four o'clock games. And so you only get to really watch the primetime game. So it's fun to get back to that uh, this week. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, uh, your neighborhood stores with more. Uh, shout out to our sponsor. We got a lot to talk about. It's we're coming off of, um, you know, obviously a very disappointing game for Bills fans because I think this was the first real litmus test. I don't want to diminish the start of the season and the 4-0 start. They played some good teams. I think that Rams team could be a Super Bowl contender. But this was like, it just felt different. It was on prime time. It was against the Titans who went to the AFC title game last year. And, you know, you went out there and you laid an egg. No matter what the circumstances were, this was a game that you, you probably wanted to perform a little bit better in. Uh, and so that's our top storyline here going into this game. Why don't you take it? Because uh, you sent it over to me this morning. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a glutton for punishment. So I went and I rewatched that game uh, two times, actually. And my, my observation after rewatching it twice is it wasn't as bad as the final score indicates. Now, yeah, they, they were thumped. It was 42-16 at the end of the day. Uh, anyone that didn't watch that would say it was a beatdown. And, and in many ways it was. But they were mistakes that are fixable. Buffalo turned the ball over too many times. They gave the Titans outstanding field position four drives starting within Buffalo's 30 yard line. That is a recipe for disaster. Uh, so you, you cut down on the turnovers. You make sure that you're not giving such great field position away to opposing teams and you eliminate some of those pre-snap penalties. Those were brutal, but fixable. And at the end of the day, those are all things where, hey, it wasn't Josh Allen was running for his life and throwing the ball into the ground. He had a lot of great passes in that game. Uh, it, it wasn't anything necessarily uh, with the run defense. I thought they had another really good game against Derrick Henry. It's little things that are fixable, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Now, defense, that's a whole nother matter, but there's going to be some missing pieces that we may see back here on Monday evening. Yeah, yeah. Uh for, for everybody that's watching live, we always appreciate you. Throw your questions in the uh, that you have. We'll, t we'll hit them at the end because this is kind of going to be a, a dual threat podcast. We're going we're gonna to preview this game and then take any questions that you guys have uh, about the Bills and about the season and where we're sitting here uh, ahead of this game. Um, but I think to your point, you know, I don't want to minimize the circumstances of last week too much because I think that they played a big role in why the Bills struggled so much in that game. Listen, first and foremost, you're without Tredavious White, Matt Milano, John Brown, huge, huge pieces. And I, I know one of the things that we're going to talk about today is Tremaine Edmonds, I would imagine. 
You know, I sent out a tweet and a story this week about how he's been struggling and Lorenzo Alexander, you know, came to his former teammates defense and said, listen, I don't think he's struggling as much as you'd think. Obviously he's fighting through the, the, the injury, but no matter how you want to slice it, that Bills team that showed up to Tennessee with everything that was going on around that week, having the game pushed back a couple of days. Like I remember, you know, just being around the facility the week of the game and the uncertainty around the game, I feel like really impacted you know, the preparation process when you have to cancel a practice. And so I think that there were so many other things going on in that game that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to let's see what this team looks like at a little bit more closer to full strength on Monday against the Chiefs. And I think that we'll see a much different team. Now you start getting into the nuts and bolts of this thing. And and, and let's, let's talk about this coverage a little bit because I think that that's you know, I tweeted out uh, yesterday uh, a stat on on Taron uh, Johnson that you know obviously got everybody talking quite a bit because you know I think that he's somebody that a lot of people have been frustrated with. You know, coverage as a whole. I mean, I, I think without Tre'Davious White back there last week, you know, there there was obviously uh, some disappointment with the way that that uh, secondary played. The the stat per Pro Football Focus. Focus. Taron Johnson has given up 27 receptions, second most in the NFL through uh, five weeks, 368, uh, 306 yards, fourth in the NFL uh, on 160 coverage snaps. Now, by comparison, the league leader in snaps this year is 255. Um, and then an additional stat that I tweeted out, no slot corner in the NFL has given up more yardage while in the slot than Taron Johnson, who's allowed 285 yards on 25 receptions. He's been targeted 32 times. The Bills might be looking to make a change here, you know, um, and maybe not a permanent change, but maybe letting Taron Johnson maybe come off the field a little bit more, you know, if not replacing him completely, maybe splicing up the the the, the timeshare there, allowing a guy like Cam Lewis of Tredavious White's back in the mix this week. Cam Lewis played really, really well, uh, considering the circumstances of him getting thrown into the lineup last week. Maybe you let him work in the slot uh, a little bit this week and see if that makes any difference. Yeah, you mentioned two names yesterday. You mentioned Cam Lewis getting the opportunity. You mentioned you were surprised we haven't seen more from Saran Neal this year, too, on defense. I think it's time to give one of those two a look. Uh, change your looks. Change what you're doing in that on the back end because Taron Johnson has made some really good plays in run defense. He's that guy that will come right up there at the line, sacrifice his body, and, and go one-on-one. -on -one. But he's also been turned around in coverage, and – uh, he was the one that was in coverage on third and 19 where they gave up 20 and he was turned around. It's been a really, really bad performance to date for Taron Johnson. He has really struggled. It's not been uh, the player that we saw, especially as a rookie. I thought he was had a tremendous rookie year, pretty decent year too, but he's going in the wrong direction at this point. So you're right. Get him off the field a little bit more. Get some guys in there. Uh, if Trey White is back, you, you can put Cam Lewis in the slot. He has that versatility which we know the Bills love uh, versatility players that can play inside, outside. Get him in there. See what he can do. It, it can't be any worse than what we've seen from Taron Johnson at times in coverage. Here's something too, Ryan. Um, I saw, I found the stat last night, and it'll be in the preview story that goes up on the Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com later today. The Bills are 25th in the NFL this season when it comes to percentage of drives that end in a score. So right now, in their first five games, opponents' drives are ending in a score 48% of the time. That's just too much. I mean, if you look up and down this defense and, and some of the, the numbers that I think Bills fans aren't used to under Sean McDermott, in scoring defense, they're uh, 21st at 28.4 points per game. In total defense, they're 17th at 371.8 yards per game. Pass defense, 263 yards a game, 24th in the league, and then run defense is where they've been the best. Outside of Daryl Henderson, they're 12th in the league at 108 uh, yards per game. I think that's still going to, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes in this defense or in this offense is so phenomenal through the air. But this is a kind of game where if maybe Sean McDermott does cook up something to, to slow down Mahomes, uh, you know, there's been a couple blueprints out there. I thought the Chargers played well against them. I thought the Patriots and again last week the Raiders. I think that that's the type of situation where you could see maybe a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have an impact on this game. 
Yeah, and not just Sean McDermott, but the weather factor. There's supposed to be a lot of rain in the forecast. It could get pretty sloppy out there on the field, and maybe it does turn into a game where it comes down to the running a game and the running attack. And if you consider all factors, the Bills having Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Josh Allen, who has not factored much into the the rushing offense since week one, but I think that could be part of the game plan. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie. You have those guys, and you compare it to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, talented, talented back. Uh, and then, you know, they have Daryl Williams, I believe, right now serving as their number two until Le'Veon Bell can get into this lineup, which was not this Monday, which would be the following game for them. Um, I, I kind of like that for the Bills, if weather plays a factor. So, you know, and going back to what you said about how the Bills are 12th in run defense, well, one, yeah, they, they did very well against Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry. I don't want to take anything away from them. But I also think opposing teams are saying, man, we can pass all over these guys. We're passing mm-hmm. over the middle of the field. Uh, so maybe that's also part of the opposing game plans is we don't need to run as much. So it will be interesting if the Bills can fix the run defense to a certain extent, how they fare in the in run defense um, and, and find that happy balance, so to speak. A couple more storylines uh, until we move on here. Mitch Morris versus his old team. And, you know, I, I think it was Patrick Mahomes uh, this week. He was talking to the Kansas City media, and he had given his impressions of Josh Allen. And that's such an interesting dynamic in this game is that Mitch Morse is kind of this weird um, conduit between Mahomes and Josh Allen. He was a big reason Mahomes credited Mitch Morse for a lot of his early development. And you know, Mahomes talked pretty glowingly about Allen this week, respects his game, has enjoyed watching him play, and from everything that he you know hears from out of buff uh, from people that are here. Mitch Morris, probably, um, you know, Josh Allen works his tail off and, and he's excited for this matchup. He even mentioned this could be a matchup that, you know, that plays out over the course of my career with both guys being in the AFC. Yeah. Uh, if Josh Allen continues on this trajectory and we know what Patrick Mahomes is, this could be one of those quarterback duels battles that we see for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, Mitch Moore specifically obviously knows a lot of, about Patrick Mahomes and his game. Maybe that's something that would factored into the game plan this week in terms of um, what what happened when he was there in, in his rookie year. But Morse as a player, I just really want to point out that this year he's been phenomenal. Uh, last yeah, yeah. year, you know, he, he dealt with a concussion in training camp. I think it kind of threw off a little bit of that chemistry last year uh, with him and Allen, but also on the offensive line. He has been unbelievable in year two. Worth every penny. You know why the Bills would go out and get a guy like this. So uh, kudos to Mitch Morrison, how he has played through the first five games of the season. Uh, I think he definitely deserves a lot of credit for Allen's play, especially in terms of pass protection. It it feels like the Bills have done a really good job this year on on certain plays where Allen is just back there all day, being able to stand in the pocket, see what gets, uh, who can get open and then even wait for plays to develop. So uh, you know, Morris going against his former team, that might give him a, a little extra incentive, not that he left on bad terms by any means. But, you know, I think sometimes players kind of get up for those games and, and kind of say, you know, I want to prove that I made the right choice leaving that team and joining this other one, that being Buffalo. Yeah, if you're watching the show, we we are so grateful for our, our live viewers and also, you know, whoever's listening uh, on audio platforms. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. That always helps us out. A whole bit. I, I'm seeing some questions in here already. We got some on Twitter as well. We're going to do a big Q&A in the second half of this thing. But another storyline I want to talk about before we move on to some other topics, Sean McDermott versus Andy Reid. The second time now that the you know uh, mentor has faced the mentee. And, and, and in this case, you know, Sean McDermott won the first one back in 2017 when this team, when both of these teams were in completely different places. I mean, you, t- you talk about the difference between Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes and in a lot of ways, Tyrod Taylor to, to Josh Allen. It's it, it's very, um, you know, uh, similar in, in the way that these offenses have kind of now the explosion for the Chiefs was much quicker. Uh, Patrick Mahomes became an MVP candidate right off the bat. It's taken Josh Allen some time. But who do you give the coaching advantage to in this game? Because. You know, I think Andy, who's, you know, kind of more known for offense, I'm wondering if Sean doesn't have a little bit of a an advantage in this matchup because he's so familiar with, with what Sean or with what Andy did for years on the offensive side of the ball. It might be able to kind of cook something up a little bit better uh, to combat that. 
You know, if you would have asked me this last year, uh, two years ago, I probably would have said Sean McDermott, but what we've seen from the defense so far, I'm going to give the advantage to Andy Reid. Uh, that offense is playing very well. Micah Hyde said it best. It's like a track team out there. Uh, they have so much speed. Even if Sam, uh, even with Sammy Watkins out for this game, there's a lot of weapons uh, between your running backs, wide receivers, tight ends for this team. And the, what we've seen from the offense so far, yeah, I think that Sean McDermott's going to have something cooked up to try to slow down this uh, Chiefs offense. But at the end of the day, I just think there's so many talented weapons for KC that Buffalo is going to really have its hands full on Sunday or Monday. <laughs> Monday. Yep. Uh, Tuesday we've had a game. So yeah, it's uh, we're all over the place here. Uh, let's move on a little bit and talk about this bill's defensive line. And this to me is where the game could be won or lost. Uh, obviously you need to apply pressure and the right kind of pressure against Patrick Mahomes to limit his big playability. We heard from Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Uh, they spoke about this topic pretty long in both of their media availability this week. What you have to do um, to be successful against them. You know, Micah joked around, said, I got to be able to be, you know, 60 yards down the field sometimes. And even then, sometimes he can beat you deep if you're not careful. So another thing that Jordan said was, it's, it, it's great playing against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it's a big game. It's a big moment. It's a, everybody's watching. The competitive juices are flowing. But it's a different game because you can play the route, the play, the original play, fine. And then like Josh Allen, in a lot of ways, he can evade the pocket. He can make a different play down the field. His receivers are so good. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, McCole Hartman. We'll get a little bit more of him this week uh, with Sammy Watkins out. They're so good at in that secondary uh, part of the play when it breaks down that that's where defenses sometimes get caught for big plays. And that's, that's an area of the field that, you know, we're used to with, with Josh Allen and, and watching this bills offense perform, but that's an area that they're going to have to be really clean in the secondary. Yeah. Really clean in the secondary. You mentioned the defensive line uh, defensive line has not been good enough. Simply put, they've invested a lot of money over the last few years in this uh, defensive line. You, you have Trent Murphy who, uh, you know, really good in terms of holding the edge, but hasn't really seen enough in terms of the the pressure. Uh, Mario Addison had some strong play early in the year. Haven't seen enough out of him. Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver. Uh, I, I do think we're starting to see a little bit from Quentin Jefferson uh, the last few weeks. I want to see more from Vernon Butler. Bottom line is the Bills have sent a lot of extra pressure this year, and it has not panned out. They need to get that a pressure just from that front four uh, in a game like this against the Chiefs, because like you said, Mahomes can extend plays. He can really hurt you. So you want that front four to be able to generate a pass rush. They have to play together as a unit. Just like we heard about the all 11 have to play team defense. That front four needs to play team defense. So that way each of them can play off one another and maybe find a potential mismatch on that uh, offensive line of the Chiefs. The Bills are have blitzed 84 times this year, Ryan. Like what a change up from these last few years in, in, in how Leslie Frazier's defense has tried to win. They're really sending pressure at, you know, a much higher rate. And what we've seen so far through five weeks, you know, with the five chiefs games, the teams that have blitzed the heaviest, mainly 40 times, but the Baltimore Ravens, Patrick Mahomes just carved them up. I mean, 34 points uh, against them. Uh, I believe it was double digits uh, blitzes against the Houston Texans. Same thing, 34 points, seven touchdowns in those two games. The Chargers, they you know decided to play back, allow their front four to try to generate the pressure. And even if, you know, and I think it comes back to, you know, I know a lot of fans don't want to hear it. It's not even just about the sack, but it's about making the quarterback uncomfortable, making the pressures work to where you're, affecting the quarterback in making decisions. And so I think that'll be a, the one interesting thing is I think it was the Raider. It might've been the Raiders or the chargers, but I was reading something about how they played three safeties, a, a good chunk of the game. And that's something that the bills rarely do in their scheme. They don't, they don't really send out a third, you know, deep safety to kind of protect against some of that deep stuff. Uh, obviously I think Matt Milano getting back in the mix here is so massive, not only because of, you know, we mentioned the Taron Johnson struggles, but you know, Matt Mulatto is a guy that you've really relied upon to to defend really good tight ends over the course of his career. Yeah, Milano being back would be huge. Uh, Travis Kelsey coming into town, uh, having Trey White back there would be huge for this defense. 
Uh, but but it's funny. They do have the personnel. If they want to run a three safety look tomorrow, they, they could do it. They have the talent, but you're right. It's, it might just be a comfort level. It might be, you know, we really haven't done this much. Uh, we, we It's not something that's our specialty, which could lead to miscommunications. Uh, and, and if you have any miscommunications against the Chiefs, it's going to lead to some big plays. You know, I, I can honestly say that I've watched a lot of the Chiefs games this year. For every brilliant play that Patrick Mahomes has made, he's also made some pretty uh, a few dangerous throws mixed in there too. Some passes just like Josh Allen that could be intercepted. So I, I think the Bills are going to have a few opportunities on Monday to create turnovers. It's just up to them to be in the right spot uh, when Mahomes tries to use his arm strength a little bit too much, like we've seen out of Allen in his career as well. We got all your questions. We got a couple more segments here of the preview show, and then we're going to get into all those. And also, you know, comment in here too. Like, when do you guys like the um, the live show? We're doing this at twelve because of a Monday game. Uh, we're, we've kind of been playing with the time frame of these preview shows, but we want to make sure that it works for you guys because you know, obviously, audio uh, listeners can get it at any time once we upload the the episode. But for you guys, we want to know what's the best time. Uh, where we can get you guys all together and we can get the conversation moving along. So let us know in the comments. We always check those uh, as well. Great questions coming in. We're going to hit those at the end of the show. Let's talk a little bit about Josh Allen here before we move on. Yeah, Saturday night I see is the first one. Um, yeah, we usually are going to start doing, I think we, I want to do more night ones. Um, especially right now, this is kind of a tough, I, I know everybody's getting ready for football right now and this is kind of a tough time, but I thought it might be cool right before the one o'clock games with no bills today to talk in the afternoon. So We'll, t- we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll put some more thought into that as well. I also got a contest cooking. I'll talk about that at the end, so stick around for that. Josh Allen in this game. You know, the pressure is going to be on Josh Allen coming off of a game where after the start that he had, even though the numbers and like you mentioned, to the watch back doesn't really, you know, you know, he made a couple bad throws. The inter- second interception was, was bad, but I don't think that he played necessarily bad. Badly. I thought it was just a, an okay game. He didn't do anything outstanding, but I think the pressure is going to be on in this game because now we've seen a we've seen a big sample size where this defense has struggled. It's not the same defense that it was a year ago at this stage going in this game. That can change. So I think more is on the shoulders of Josh, and we've seen in the past that that's when when he's tended to get into some trouble is when he feels the weight of of things on his shoulders and and the need to make plays, and he kind of goes out there and tries to do too much and. I think that this is a different defensive line this year um, for the Chiefs. I I still think Chris Jones is outstanding, and he could single-handedly change, you know, the course of a game with the way that he pressures. But I think that this is a defense that you can make plays against, and this should be a game where Josh Allen, you know, of course, takes what the defense gives him, but should be able to go out there and make some plays. Yeah, I think he was pressing on Monday night against the uh, against or Tuesday night. I'm still getting the days wrong uh, against the Titans. He was throwing. He threw a few balls into triple coverage against uh, when Stefan Diggs was out there. I think he was missing John Brown, and he was getting just impatient with the fact that the Titans were giving the the underneath stuff, but they were playing the the intermediate deep things uh, throws really well, and that's what led to that second interception, that really bad interception which I, I get that the bills were playing from behind. It's the first time they were playing from that far behind this year. He was trying to uh, make up that point differential by stretching the field. And it wasn't there. Like you said, this is a completely different defense for the chiefs. I think those big plays are going to be there on, on Monday uh, where we didn't really get to see those against the Titans. So that's something having John Brown back is really going to uh, test this Chiefs secondary so there's going to be more matchups for the Bills to win there, whether it's Brown, whether it's Diggs, Beasley, Gabriel Davis, uh, maybe Tyler Croft having a nice another opportunity here with uh, Dawson Knox being ruled out, and then even getting some of your running backs utilized in this passing game as well. I want to see him run the ball a little bit this game, you know, may, especially if the weather comes into concern, like uh, into play. You know, there could be some rain tomorrow. It could get really uh, nasty out there where the run game is going to be a little bit more effective maybe over the course of the game. Maybe get him out in space and maybe let him make some plays. I think that, you know, as good as he's been as a passer, I still think there's part of his psyche that if he can make a couple plays with his feet, I think that that kind of coincides too sometimes with getting him his whole game going. And so if things are slow, now he's come out in four games and looked, absolutely spectacular as a passer if that's the route that they're going to go and that's going to work you know stick with what's working but I, I do think that if you can get him going in the passing game make the defense 
have to play both. You know, set that tone early on in the game. Uh, I think that could be a nice little uh, little thing to watch as well. All right, we're 25 minutes in. We're going to go right up until maybe right before 1 o'clock. But before we continue, we're going to get to some key matchups, players to watch, our prediction, and then the Q&A. Before we do, a word from our sponsor. Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. All right, let's look at a couple of these matchups in this game because there's some there's some fun ones. I mean, obviously, you got the two quarterbacks, and you know we could dive in even more into both of those things. But I think some of the weapons that they have uh, are, are at their disposal are interesting. And you mentioned John Brown. He practiced on Friday, was limited on Saturday. I think he's trending in the right direction, and I know probably a lot of people are tuning in to, to kind of get some injury updates. I really think that all four of the guy uh, of the of the players that you know people have been asking about all week, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, John Brown, and Tredavious White. I think all four of them have a really good chance to play on, on, on Monday. I almost did it. Um, but the matchup that you, you sent over to me, uh, Charvarius, um, Ward, the cornerback, second cornerback for the chiefs against John Brown in this game. Explain why you think this is a big one. Yeah, I think it's a huge matchup. Ward's coming off of a really poor performance against the Raiders. He was torched by Henry Ruggs, the third, uh, despite having great speed himself, he he had great speed at the combine or at his pro day. Uh, John Brown though has great speed, and maybe he doesn't have Henry Ruggs like speed, but he's a much better route runner than Ruggs at this point in Ruggs's career, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I really think that John Brown can win early and often against Charvarius Ward, and, and that is why I think that's such a big match for the Bills because you know the Chiefs are going to give a lot of attention to Stephon Diggs. They know what Cole Beasley can do underneath the tight end game. You know. Who knows with, with Tyler Croft. So the, the, they're going to try to take out the number one receiver in Diggs. So that's going to open up some opportunities for John Brown. And in that matchup, based on what we saw last week with Ward versus Ruggs, I think Brown could end up winning quite a few of those one-on-one -on -one battles. Here is my premium matchup to watch in this game. And I think it's going to be the deciding factor in this game because Jerry Hughes I know the sack numbers aren't there, but if you check out some of the advanced stats, he is getting pressure. He is winning a lot of his one-on-one -on -one matchups. The guy that I think a lot of people were depending on this year to win inside was Ed Oliver. And he came out of the gate, all right, three pressures in the first game. Since, in four games since, he's had only three more pressures and none in the last two games. That is not good enough. Now, we talked to Leslie Frazier this week. He's been dealing with a knee injury. He wore a brace all the way up until this last game he's it's off. Now it looks like he's feeling a little bit better. This is a game where there's a matchup to take advantage of. They're on their third idea at left guard, the Kansas city chiefs. They started off uh, with two guys that opted out. They aren't even playing. Then they had uh, Kalechi Osemele. He tears tendons in both of his knees last week. He is out now. So now they're going to Mike Remmers. Who's a swing tackle that they're asking, Hey, come on inside to guard, do what you can. I think that Ed Oliver should be able to exploit that matchup and win. And that's a big part of what we talked about earlier. If you're winning some of these one-on-one -on -one matchups on the defensive line, it allows Leslie Frazier not to have to send pressure from other means. Matt Milano is a great blitzer, but you're going to want him more in coverage because you got so many guys that can make plays, you know, Tyreek Hill lines up in the slot quite a bit. McCole Hardman, who's going to be playing for Sammy Watkins, who is another speed demon. He can make plays once the ball's in his hands. Travis Kelsey, that's our third matchup to watch here. Travis Kelsey versus Matt Milano. Yeah, you know, Milano, we've seen when he has not been in the lineup what this defense looks like. Uh, and not just so much in terms of coverage on these linebackers, but just the middle of the field and, and how quarterbacks are exploiting that and throwing uh, with great success. So you get him back in there. One, I think that takes away a little bit of the middle of the field just in general. But if you can have Milano, your best cover linebacker, try to, to go one-on-one -on -one with Kelsey, and there's going to be matchups that Kelsey wins. He's, he's a premier tight end. Uh, he's one of the best in the league. But if he can limit his production, that will be huge for this Bills defense because that is one of, if not the number one safety blanket for Patrick Mahomes. And if you can get him frustrated early – jam them early at the line, stay with them, uh, get your hand in there on some passes and break up a few plays here and there. It can lead to some early frustration and it can lead to this defense getting off the field and, and forcing some punts, uh, something we have not seen enough this year. 
with how passionate Lorenzo Alexander came out this week to defend Tremaine Edmonds. Listen, he's a guy I'm always going to listen to. You know, I, I I might have a take. Uh, I'm usually going to listen to him. And I know some people said, well, he's his teammate and he's not going to talk badly about Tremaine Edmonds, but he he's watching the film. I mean, he's not going to lie about it. If he thinks Tremaine Edmonds, you know, played a pretty good game last week, then I'm going to take his word for it. And one of the things I, I you know, in, in some deeper thought about it, I do think that the fact that both of these guys have been in and out of the lineup dealing with their own little injury problems this year has impacted both of their plays. And I think if you can now get them back together, I think that that bodes well for both of them because I think that they're now in their third year playing together. The familiarity is so important there and they play off each other so well because of their skill sets. Lorenzo said something interesting. He's like, they're interchangeable parts in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I know that, you know, Tremaine plays the middle and, you know, Matt Milano's on the weak side, but they really do do a lot of the same things. They're so fast sideline to sideline. Their their reaction time typically, traditionally, has been really good. So I think if you get Matt Milano back, that could mean big things for Tremaine Edmonds, and that really goes into that matchup against Travis Kelsey. I think you're going to need both of those guys to kind of limit some of his big plays. Yeah, you'll definitely need both of them uh, to slow down Kelsey and some of these other weapons that the Chiefs have. One more thing on Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, not only would he is he not just saying this because they're teammates? If if he didn't believe this, he didn't have to comment on Twitter. He could have just ignored any comments out there about Edmonds's play. He watched the tape. He saw that Edmonds played a strong game, and he wanted to come out and defend him. So young player, having Milano back, though, is huge, I think, for both of them because, like you said, the communication aspect, the, the fact that they do uh, many of the same things so well with one another. All right, players to watch. Uh, let's get into that right now. Who did you pick? I picked Devin Singletary, uh, and I think some people misunderstood in my Things to Watch article that I published yesterday that I was bashing Singletary's play this year, which is couldn't be further from the truth. I simply said that after the Bills showed interest in Le'Veon Bell and legitimate interest, they were in the final three for his services, I just think that that might cause Singletary to play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and say, he said all the right things this week. He said, you know, yeah, he's a veteran. He could help me out. I could learn from him. He'd help this offense. But maybe in the back of his mind, he's, he's saying, you know, is that a shot at me? Am I not playing well enough in their opinion that they need to go out and look at this veteran back that has not looked like the same player that was an all pro in Pittsburgh for the last few years? Uh, so I just think it might give him that little extra motivation in a primetime game to come out and say, look, at, I'm at the top of the league in terms of missed tackles. Create a lane for me and watch what I can do. I can make guys miss. I can pick up yards on the ground. I can pick up yards through the air. So. My eyes are going to be on Devin Singletary in this matchup, especially if weather plays a factor. Does he play a big role in this uh, uh, for this offense and maybe pulling off an upset? I, I like that pick, and I think that to your point, he uh, it looks like he shared a little sleepy emoji on his Instagram. So I think that maybe he is feeling, you know, a, a little pressure, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. All these guys talk about competition and, and being motivated. And I think this is something that can motivate him. At the same time, I do think that Devin is such an interesting dynamic. Like I think traditionally in the league, like, you know, you, you get a high round running back and, you know, going back 10, 15, 20 years ago, that's the guy right now. It's a different league in that you almost want to create a two headed monster in your backfield because of how physical the game is, injuries, all the kind of thing, different skill sets. I think that Devin, it's got to be a weird headspace to go out there and lead the league in yards per carry last year and then have the Bills go out and draft a running back in the same round you were drafted the year before. It's almost like you you wonder, sit back after like a, maybe a little bit of a slow start and wonder how much does that play a part in, in, in maybe his confidence level. And so to your point, you know, I think he, you know, maybe this wakes him up, gets him recharged. I think that this offensive line is tired of answering these questions. I, I felt like we got a sense of that from Mitch Morse, who's so great. I love talking to him every week. But you could tell it's like, all right, yeah, we got to get this thing. We got to get this ship righted a little bit. Yeah, and he talked about some things that they did well last year, th this being Mitch Morse. Uh, and maybe, you know, this year they're doing something completely different in terms of zone blocking versus man blocking outside versus inside. So wh whatever it is that the Bills decide to scheme up here against the Chiefs, they need execution. That's the one thing he said. We need to execute. They give us a game plan. It's our job to go out and execute. And they haven't executed well enough for Devin Singletary, uh, for TJ Yeldon, for Zach Moss when Moss was in the lineup earlier this year. So now that we're six games in, this will be game number six. We need to start seeing that execution. You know, it wasn't a typical offseason. 
They've been tremendous in, in pass protection, but now you need to see more of that in terms of run blocking and opening up some lanes for the running backs. So that way they can get past that first level and show what they can do against the linebackers and maybe even against the secondary of these opposing teams. My player to watch is Mr. Tredavious White, uh, because that's another thing that to me has just not been talked about enough. I mean, he is a huge piece that was missing in that Titans game. I wonder if Ryan Tannehill goes for three touchdowns and looks as good as he does. If there's a side of the field, he's looking to avoid because he doesn't want to mess with Tredavious white last week. So he's looked really good in practice this week. He, he uh, participated in one-on-one drills. I tweeted out of uh, a couple of the videos as I do every week when he goes up against Stefan Diggs in practice, I always think it's, it's must see TV for you guys. And so I think that getting him back just changes everybody's role. And I think takes a lot of pressure off of other guys, Josh Norman, Taron Johnson, Cam Lewis, if he ends up playing, Saran Neal, if he ends up playing, whoever. And, you know, Micah Hyde even said, like, when, when Trey's on the field, we know we have a bona fide star that can make plays. And that's a confidence booster as well. So getting whole as a defense, I think, will help out a lot. I know that, uh, you know, they haven't played really well consistently at any point. But I thought that they – it's a shame that all these – that, you know, Milano and Tredavious White missed last week because I feel like they started to figure some things out against the uh, Raiders in the second half. They started getting more pressure. They started getting some takeaways. Josh Norman had the big game in the second half as well. Uh, So I think getting them all back together, maybe they could start to build on those things and they've had enough games now. And it's better that you play in the Chiefs in week six as opposed to week one, two, or three, where there's more tape, there's more, you know, what's been working for other teams. You can try to implement that a little bit more. All right, prediction time and then Q&A. What do you got? Yeah, I have it being a back-and-forth game. I think the Bills actually do hang with the Chiefs in this uh, on Monday evening. It uh, goes back and forth, but at the end of the day, I have the Chiefs edging out the Bills 31-28. Buzzkill, Ryan. Um, I actually was uh, – I was saying all week, I'm picking the Chiefs. Um, uh, this – you know, I think, you know, we tend to take this into account like this one week and you like all the stuff that you're seeing coming out of Buffalo because we cover the team. And um, so I think you skew to picking them a lot. Um, I, or at least I found myself in my first two years on the beat doing that. And I, I had this pegged as a Chiefs win going into the season. But I think with the way last week went, even on a short week with six days to prepare uh, as opposed to the traditional or five days to prepare, um, I think that this is going to be a team that's rejuvenated by the guys that they get back. I think this is an offense that kind of took a detour last week and could come back this week with John Brown back in the mix, maybe a healthy Zach Moss. Although I do think we could talk about this as well. I think TJ Eldon might, might deserve an activation and and maybe keep Zach Moss on the bench as a healthy scratch. But I like the bills in this game to win, to really make plays on offense and that to be the driving factor. I think it's going to be a shootout 45, 42 bills. It's going to be a throwback to the Jim Kelly days when he was going up against Dan Marino, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. I got to be in a, a, a high scoring, high octane, octane game. All right. So let's get into this Q and a, we, we, we put out a couple questions. You've been curating, uh, curating these questions in our chat here. Uh, thank you so much, my friend. So let's get into some of these. Let's start with Scott Blakely. Uh, is there something about the bills and prime time games that just doesn't mix? Ryan, why don't you take this one? Uh, if you were to ask me that over the last 10 years, I would say, yeah, get, keep them off primetime. But no, look at last year. I, I know the, the Dallas Cowboys game wasn't technically primetime, but it was a national audience. It was Thanksgiving Day, and they pretty much, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was lopsided, but that, that game was well in hand against the Cowboys last year in front of that national audience. Uh, the Sunday night game last year uh, against the – uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It was against Duck Hodges. It was ugly. They had a win late in the game, but they still won. Patriots game, the second game, they hung with them. They truly should have won that game, if, if I'm being honest, uh, but they, they lost at the end. So I thought last year they actually played very well on in those primetime games, those national audience games, uh, and they, they held them. You know, I, I thought that you came out and you said, you know, that was pretty respectful performance. Titans game aside, I think there was a lot of uncertainty about whether it was going to get played. Maybe they overprepared. They, they they overthought things too much because when that regular week of preparation was over, then they're told, hey, this game's getting moved to Tuesday. Maybe they went back and they just overanalyzed things, overthought some things. They had the turnovers, the, the lack of field position, little fixable things. So I'm not ready to say that this is a bad mix for this team. Now, 
if they come out and get thumped on Monday, well, then maybe I'm saying, oh, gosh, they really need to rebound in that next primetime game or else maybe there is something to that. Maybe there is something psychologically about playing in front of a national audience that this team uh, is just struggling with. But right now, I think it's too early to say that, especially after what we saw last year out of this team. I'll take this next question. Jim Tombalesi, shout out to, uh, he's actually my wife's cousin, uh, my man, Jim, Jimmy T, uh, good at Jimmer. Uh, thoughts if the Bills will look to make any moves by the trade trade deadline? If so, what positions? And I'm glad that he, he asked this because this is something I've been thinking about the last 24 hours because, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, Evan Ingram with the Giants and Zach Ertz, uh, you know, I do think, you know, addressing the tight end position, if a deal makes sense, if you're Brandon Bean, why not? Why not try to add more weapons for Josh Allen? Dawson Knox, listen, I have high hopes for him, and I still think that there's there's time this season to, you know, get things figured out and get integrated in the offense. But what we have seen so far is a player that just continues to struggle with drops. And for a team that as good as Josh Allen has been this year, he's been that good in spite of the league's top drop rate in the NFL, and that's not good enough. You, you and, and Dawson Knox is a guy that's kind of, you know, uh, contributing to that in a big way. And so can you make a deal for an Evan Ingram? What would it cost? Would, would Brandon Bean be willing to give up a third, a second round draft pick uh, coming off the heels of the big blockbuster that, get, that lost his first round pick in 2020? I always ask myself that question, but I don't think he'll shy away from a deal that he thinks can make um, sense. Evan Ingram could be a guy that comes in here and helps to mentor Dawson Knox that can eventually, you know, build into maybe a, a really dynamic one-two combination. What do the Bills think about Tyler Croft? He had a big game a couple weeks ago. So, and also Evan Ingram, uh, Dawson Knox played together at Ole Miss. They're good friends. That could be something that makes sense. I'm not as in the uh, as as keenly in the camp of of dealing for Ertz because you're gonna have to pay him. You're gonna have to give him a big deal and. I don't know. I, he's been really good in his career, but I just don't know if that's the kind of guy that you want to give a big tight end deal to, uh, especially with all the big contracts that are are on the horizon. It, you know, where you're looking at Tremaine Edmonds, you're looking at Matt Milano, you're looking at Josh Allen. You know, adding a lot of money at the tight end position when you know there there could be a couple tight ends in the draft next year. I think Evan Ingram makes a little bit more sense. I think you, I think you have a little bit more time to make that decision on a big contract, and he, I don't think he's done enough early on to put him in that that uh kind of caliber of tight end so what are your thoughts uh real quick you you just said it this tight end draft class coming up is pretty loaded i think there could be a, a really good player that falls to buffalo in round one if they want to go that direction that's a whole nother topic uh, i would look at the cornerback position you know uh, and, and say what you want about jason lockhand for but he put out an article about the houston texans possibly dealing guys uh, at the deadline, if they continue to lose, and, and one person he mentioned specifically in the article was a, a Bradley Roby. Now, do the Get Bills him. go? Get yeah, him. you know, know how much I love Bradley. You Roby. love Roby. That's exactly. We were what down I in Houston, and I think Ryan looked at me in the hotel up. and was like, "Listen, dude, stop talking about Bradley Roby." Okay? <laughs> I love I'm that sorry. guy. I'm trying to fall asleep here, Matt. Stop talking about Bradley Roby. <laughs> yeah, we uh, roomed together. In, yes, uh, we did. What, what, yeah. what do you have to say about that? Uh, you know, it was you a know, great time. It, hey, it, that's how that's how bonds are forged, Ryan. That's you right. Know, you, you you get on the road, you share a hotel room with a guy, and that's how you become friends. And I feel like you know that really helped us uh, bond. But go ahead. Oh, 100 percent. But if you can get a, a Roby uh, in this secondary, it's huge for this defense. And it doesn't even have to be a, a guy like Roby, who I think could end up being an expensive type player uh, to acquire in terms of what you'd have to give. Find a guy that you think fits your scheme, fits your defense. Find someone that uh, maybe has played in that secondary before or a similar secondary uh, that you're familiar with and, and bring them in. If you if you have these further concerns because, you know, Levi Wallace was picked on and he's on the IR right now, but when he comes back, I think that he could be splitting reps with Josh Norman. Norman was beat a few times, so it could even be an outside corner. It could be an inside someone to replace Taron Johnson. Just go out there and, and look at some of these teams that are – uh, already starting to look toward next year and say, is there someone that fits this scheme that could help us immediately? All right, let's go to uh, Twitter. I asked for some questions as well. So let's go uh, there. One asked about uh, resting Tremaine Edmonds against the Chiefs. He's assuming uh, that this is going to be a loss, I would imagine. And uh, and the Jets, so that he's good to go versus the Seahawks and the Pats. Maybe give some time to Tyrod Dotson. You know, I never like that approach. You know what I mean? If a guy's healthy, if he's ready to play, and and Leslie Frazier has been adamant about how important Tremaine Edmonds is 
uh, to this defense and having him there for making the calls. And I think Tyrell Dotson, as good as he played against the Miami Dolphins, that still is an, a heavy lift, lift for a second-year undrafted guy to ask him to do all those things. So I would say let's maybe hold off on keeping guys out of the lineup that are cleared to play and are healthy. I and mean, he wasn't in a red jersey on Saturday, so I think that that shoulder, he's getting healthier every day, Sean McDermott said it this week. So I think you want your best players on the field. And who's to say this is going to be a loss? I think the Bills should be able to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs in Buffalo, even without fans. And it looks like we're going to be without fans for the foreseeable future. I mean, I know that's disappointing to to see and read and to look around the NFL. And you know, you know, I'm all for safety, but you know, you look around the NFL and all these these um, venues are having fans. I'm sure it's tough for Bills fans to continue to sit on their hands. But I think you want Tremaine Edmonds in the lineup. You want all your good players historically in the lineup. Let's go to another question here adjustments on offense. I think we both can talk about this one. Why don't you start Ryan? Will uh, Zach Moss be active? And uh, what do you think Yeldon's role will be going forward? And maybe should he, should he be active? You know, that's such a great question. I would actually lean toward keeping Yeldon uh, two plays over 20 yards against the Titans, the 22 yard touchdown pass to Yeldon in the back of the end zone. And yes, it was a garbage time run late in the game, but Yeldon also had that Yeldon was the only one that produced with those big plays against the Titans. The biggest knock on him coming out uh, in these last few years was, can he protect the football? So far, so good. Knock on wood if you're a Bills fan. Uh, But until you see that, you know, he hasn't really done anything to get knocked out of this lineup. And I know that may not be fair to Zach Moss, but Moss, you know, he wasn't running the ball especially well before he went out with this toe injury. So maybe it wouldn't hurt to keep riding the hot hand, so to speak. And that being Yeldon, who can contribute in the past game, who can and contribute um, you know and then can he also protect the quarterback in terms of protection yeah he's been in this league long enough that he can do that as well don't uh don't let me tell you i told you so but i told you so everybody was there giving me grief all off season who are we gonna get as a backup running back who are the bills gonna get as a backup running back i told you tj yeldon's fine he'll be fine you put him out there in that role and that's where i feel like he excels i feel like that is his role in this league former second round pick kind of do everything they'll be fine. So I think it depends on what you want to do. Do you, what have you seen from Zach Moss the last couple of weeks as he's been practicing it? Does he feel more comfortable? Is there going to be more definitiveness in the way that he hits the hole with the way that he reads the, with the, with the, the quickness at which he needs to read what his offensive line is doing in front of him. If you feel confident in there, yeah, get your third round draft pick out there. And I, I also liked an idea that maybe, um, with, with Dawson Knox out, maybe going to a two tight end active situation with uh, maybe Croft and Gilliam or Croft and uh, Lee Smith. I think it will probably be Gilliam because he plays the special teams. And then go uh, and bring in a, a, an additional running back. Have both TJ Yeldon and Zach Moss. Give Zach Moss some early action. If it's not working out, you have TJ Yeldon that you can turn to. So I like that. Let's see here. we got some more questions in the chat. Um, will the coaching staff have this team ready to play? You know, I think you got to put it on the coaching staff a little bit last week for, you know, like I said, the circumstances were tough, but for a coaching staff that preaches no excuses, you got to own a little bit. You got to wear a little bit of that. And, And the bills weren't ready to play last week. And I think that looking ahead to this week, the lessons that can be learned from that, I do think they'll be more ready to play this week. Yeah, I agree too. And there, you don't want to make excuses for this team, but there were a lot of factors that went into that Tuesday night game. You were missing key pieces, the uncertainty, the uh, just a lot, extra, a lot of extra things that maybe you don't experience on a week by week basis uh, as an NFL player. So I think you'll have them ready. I think a lot of the Bills players are going to be ticked off after that performance that they uh, had uh, against the Titans, and they want to come out and show that's not us. I know the defense has had its overall woes this year. But I think they have a lot to prove. And, and the one thing I'll say about this coaching staff is historically they have rebounded pretty well after these blowout losses, uh, which we've actually seen quite a few of in in this McDermott uh, regime. First year, back-to-back blowout losses. Obviously, the Bills ended up making the playoffs that year. Uh, we, we've seen a few here and there scattered in, but the Bills don't ever um, show that kind of performance long-term. They bounce back, and I expect a similar type of performance here on Monday. All right. Do we have another question here? There was one more about John Feliciano. If John Feliciano is made active, whenever that may be, which player do you think is dropped? 
Well, I don't think anybody will be dropped necessarily. I do think that the Bills will maybe slide like an Ike Bucker to be inactive, but I still think they're going to want to keep the same number of offensive linemen that they currently have. Um, and in terms of being dropped from the starting lineup, that that's such an interesting question because I do think that I think they're going to want to get a look at what this this thing looks like with John Feliciano on the lineup. But let's remember that this, you know, coming back from a pec injury, it's kind of, it could be tough. And so they may want to bring him back slowly. We'll see how uh, this thing transpires in practice. Um, But I do think that, you know, and I'm no offensive line expert analyst, but I do think John Feliciano probably gives you a little bit more than Brian Winters. Uh, We'll see uh, if Brian Winters gets going, if they have a really good game this weekend, uh, or this uh, this Monday, and they do better in run blocking. I think Brian Winters, you know, uh, could do a lot for himself this this Monday. Yeah, uh, you, you know, he was coming out of camp. I think there were questions about whether he was going to make this team, but I think he's played pretty well given the opportunity. When Feliciano comes back, I'm going to echo your sentiments. I think the Bills are going to want to get him out there, but they're going to have to see enough at practice before they throw him out there in the starting lineup, or even if it's a a 50, 50 split, Um, when is it going to be made active? Who knows if I were a betting man, I'm going to, I would predict by this jets game, I think for the jets game, but we'll see. There's no, the the bills have a timeline where they can activate him. If not, he stays on the IR. Um, the, The fact that he's practicing is an encouraging sign. The bills obviously liked him a lot last year, not just what he did on the field in terms of his blocking ability, but he kind of gave that extra spark to the lineman. He played that nasty with that nasty style of play. Um, he, you know, Brandon Bean said that he kind of has that same kind of persona as Josh Allen, which I think is the highest type of compliment you can give an offensive lineman. So when the time comes, yes, I think he will eventually get moved back to that starting right guard spot. Uh, could be Botker that's inactive or. Uh, if they do end up, you know, moving a lineman to the practice squad, maybe that's the one. Uh, maybe he is the guy, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, let, let's just kind of wait that out and see when he is activated first. Ryan Talbot bringing it as always. This was a, a really fun episode. I'm so thankful for all of you guys and gals who joined us uh, for this hour. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. If you're just rolling in. We're about to end things here, but you can rewind, replay. This will be available on other podcast uh, networks uh, ASAP, probably in the next 30 minutes. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, you name it. It'll be there. And when you get there, please subscribe. Give us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. We will be back live right after the game, Monday night. Hopefully for all of you guys talking about a Bills win on primetime. That was so fun in Dallas last year. I'd love to do that again. I'd love to cover that again as opposed to uh, you know what we had to cover on Tuesday night. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you tomorrow night. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Enjoy all the games. Take care. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.